Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Make your business accessible. What do you think of when you hear that? Elevators, automatic push buttons at the entrance and ramps? As a business owner, would you be worried about the extra work and money you would need to spend? Or would you consider making your business accessible as an investment in your clientele? Can you remember when you had difficulty accessing something or somewhere because of the lack of accessibility? It's frustrating, isn't it? Take a moment to think about how you feel about making your business accessible. Hello everyone, I'm Jolie McDonald from Accessibrand and I'd like to welcome you to the second episode of our podcast, Why Access Matters. In Why Access Matters, we proudly and happily bring you thoughts and talks about accessibility. And now that you've thought about what make your business accessible means, let's dig into some facts about it. The Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities states that members should recognize the importance of accessibility to the physical, social, economic and cultural environment to health and education and information and communication in enabling persons with disabilities to enjoy all human rights and fundamental freedoms fully. This gives us a general overview of accessibility, but we'd like to talk about it from a more slightly different perspective today, that of lived experience. Like we did with our previous podcast, we want to reiterate that rather than limit it to high needs persons or people with disabilities, we believe that accessibility is one of the greatest tools in our belts. Accessibility is for anyone and everyone, regardless of visible or invisible disability. This drives one of the themes in our podcast. Accessibility is necessary for some, but beneficial for all of us. You might be asking yourself, what's so important about accessibility from a business point of view? Considering stats around the relationship between business and disability, we can highlight some key points. Number one, whether a business is brick and mortar or online, there are rules and laws in different countries, regions, and provinces that identify the least basic level of accessibility compliance. This word compliance means that minimum requirements if businesses and organizations want to avoid potential risks of legal action. Key point number two is that beyond that and besides the legal aspect, accessibility rules and laws can also significantly impact the reputation of a business. Poor accessibility practices can harm a business's reputation, whereas investment in accessibility can truly aid a brand or a business to be distinguished and directly benefit from a wider customer base and customer loyalty which is really invaluable to engagement for any business. Number three is in Ontario, the province where we live and create and host our podcast, about one person out of every five people identifies themselves with having one or more disabilities. A whopping 70% of disabilities can be invisible, which I have. This means a lot of your audience or customers who do not present with a perceivable disability can have some limitations. And additionally, a place or a business that is accessible will benefit people without disabilities as well. So to better understand how important it is to break down those barriers, 
I talked to Mayan Ziv, who's the CEO of Access Now. Access Now is a startup which arose from experiencing the frustration of going to inaccessible places. And rather than being passive, she was motivated to make our world more accessible. In this conversation, she spoke about her lived experience and addressed many key points about how to move forward towards a more accessible world. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hi, everyone. I'm Jolene McDonald, and I am the host of Why Access Matters, Accessibrand's new podcast. And this is our second episode, and we are uh, talking with Mayan Ziv uh, today and about her thoughts and experiences on accessibility. So welcome, Mayan. Thank you. Thanks so much. I would love if you could introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name's Mayan Ziv. I am based in Toronto, uh, and I am an entrepreneur with a disability. Um, what else can I say about myself? I'm the founder and CEO of Access Now. So tell us a little bit more about Access Now and what kind of company it is. Uh, so Access Now uh, is very much uh, started as a response to my own problem. Uh, I've been a wheelchair user since I was a very little girl. Uh, and throughout my life, I've constantly struggled to navigate spaces and kind of find out if things are actually going to be accessible for me. And so uh, what started as just like a desire to solve my own problem uh, has grown into being uh, quite a global movement where basically uh, Access Now is a, is a mobile app that allows people to share and, and review places based on their own lived experience uh, and provide people with further insight about accessibility of places around the world. That's amazing. I've been following you for a little while and I want to congratulate you on the success and how many people have been using it and talking about it. So that's amazing. Thank so you. It leads me into, I guess, the next question then based on your experiences. So what is the message to people who do not know about accessibility? A lot of people are afraid of it and like, especially business owners, because all they see, I think, is dollars and they worry about, you know, the guidelines for accessibility within each of their provinces or their country. What is your like message to those business owners? You know, like, so it's funny, my experience of accessibility was really just limited to my own needs. Uh, growing up, you know, for me, accessibility was defined as, uh, you know, can I get in with my wheelchair? And only when I started building Access Now did I even realize, you know, how broad accessibility can be and how many people it impacts um, on a daily basis. So, you know, I think when when people are not familiar with accessibility and, you know, and I have a disability, right? So, you know, people might even expect or assume me to know some stuff about the space, but when you have no experience or no um, exposure to what accessibility is, it can seem like this odd kind of after fact thing that, you know, you need to do to kind of tick off a box. And, and that doesn't invite people to be part of this world that, you know, once you've converted, once you learn about the magic and the, the creativity and the opportunities that accessibility offers. Um, 
it's a completely different response that that people gravitate towards. So I think, you know, for people who are not sure what accessibility is about or why it would be important, um, you know, upwards of 20% of the population today uh, requires some form of access to engage with your business if you are a business owner. Uh, and that's a significant amount of people that you would be failing um, to reach if you did not consider, you know, how your company, your product, your service, your language uh, is actually um, supportive to this customer base. So even on a dollar front, it sounds like, oh, this is something expensive that now I have to go do, but actually investing in accessibility um, has, there is a return. And not only do you directly now open your doors, both physical or digital to, to many more people, but you also earn kind of this, um, recognition as a company that is open, uh, and flexible and inclusive. And in today's world, uh, that goes a really long way. That's great. I think, you know, we don't work in the physical side of accessibility, but uh, I'm one of those people until I was faced with, you know, understanding and learning about disability firsthand, mostly because of my daughter being born with dwarfism. It was like the light bulb went off. And you, once that happens, you can't ignore it. I, well, I think some people can, I don't know how, but you know, from a business owner perspective w- with my other company and this one, when you talk to people, all they see is the dollars and it's almost like they're afraid to even take one step. Is there one small step that you could give to people to say, just start here? Is there one small thing? I mean, more in the physical aspect, I guess, because a lot of people, obviously there's some buildings that have problems with retrofitting. What can you give as an advice, like one small step just to start? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So we put out, uh, this article a little while back called basically how to be an ally. Uh, and in this article, I kind of list out different ways to show up uh, and they can be, you know, as significant as like reevaluating your hiring practices, but down to like, just follow disabled influencers and creators on the social media channels you're already on. Uh, and that could be a tiny first step to being exposed to a different reality. Because uh, there are incredible creators on Instagram and TikTok, and they share, you know, perspectives on life that we don't often get to see in mainstream media. Uh, and so if you have no exposure to the world of accessibility or disability, um, a great way to learn is just from direct, authentic representation of people who can tell stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would definitely recommend, you know, to just go on social media and just look for hashtags around disability or accessibility and kind of be amazed by the, the humor, the creativity, the joy, the struggle that, you know, this world comes with. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, if you don't mind later sharing that article on how to be an ally, we'd love to be able to include that so other people can read it. Um, I think, you know, with COVID, the big C word that's been happening for so long, um, based on the changes that have happened in society through COVID, 
what would you like to see, like the general public's approach to accessibility? We think it plays obviously a vital role in society, but not just for people with disabilities. Like there's been a lot of positive things that have come out of COVID. A lot of bad things, but a lot of really great things. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's COVID is, it's brought up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's brought up a lot of things that were, we knew as a community were there for years and ignored. And it also kind of highlighted new things. And, you know, I think there are some significant fractures um, that even just throughout COVID, the disability community has had to face. And, um, and there's a lot of healing that I'd say that needs to be done. Um, being a person who might be considered, you know, um, part of that vulnerable population that was mentioned in media, hearing governments and, and media, um, in early days of COVID talk about, like, it's not a big deal. The only people who will be discarded of are people who, you know, whose lives are worthless (laughs) is basically kind of what the messaging was. Um, that doesn't easily go away. It's really hard to live in a world where you're basically consistently told and reinforced that as a disabled person, you know, we're not going to take the same measures to protect you. Um, that, uh, is some of the negative stuff that's come along with what COVID brought upon kind of the world. But there are some positives that if you look at the silver lining of it, um, I think a lot, like lately, what I've noticed, because I asked myself, like, is this a phase? Is it going away? Are some of the learned behaviors going to stay with us or not? Obviously, you know, this concept of remote work, you know, work from anywhere, work online, flexible hours. You know, we're seeing that even as companies try to reintroduce, you know, we want you back in an office. Um in general, people are not really positively responding to that, yeah. which I actually think is great. Uh, it means that people have learned that there are new ways to do things, ways that, you know, that people with disabilities have been advocating for for years, but okay, fine. It took a, a global crisis to, to get there. Fine, we're here. Um, so that's a positive that, you know, there are many more opportunities to work um, in many different formats now. Another one I'd say is just flexibility, um, which is kind of connected. But, you know, I I can tell you even just this week alone, as the world kind of starts to re-figure out, you know, where people should be working from, um, is, is, is this going to be an in-person meeting? Am I going to meet them on Zoom still? Something really interesting is that as things change or come up in your life, um, I, I used to feel this tremendous pressure to stick to the schedule and, and feel like if I would have to cancel a meeting, whether it be for a health concern or a logistics issue in my life, that I would just like be failing. And I think that everyone has a million things going on in the background of their lives and we're still living through and with a pandemic and whatever a new normal will be. And I think people are more flexible and understanding and there's a a greater extension of empathy around change and flexibility. So, Hey, sorry, you know, my, my, my daughter needs to be picked up from school. Can we reschedule? Those types of things are okay. Whereas 
I think it used to be a lot um, less accepted in, in a professional environment to move things around, to be flexible and to, um, to be open to change. You have resonated with me so much through this. <laughs> I know um, through COVID, you know, myself and my daughter, most of my daughter were in the same vulnerable sort of title as what you were talking about for yourself. And I couldn't believe that verbiage and that ripple went through the disability community online for sure. Cause you saw that quote, you know, the only ones that are really at risk are the vulnerable. So basically what does it matter anyways? And I, I, it was shocking for me also to see that because it really brought to light people's perceptions on disability and how we're not equal. Um, and I think we'd really like to help keep breaking the, the, the glass ceiling, so to speak, on people's perceptions of that. And it's people like your company and your team and ours and others. I think we can prove that wrong. Um, I think, you know, many people on our team also required that flexibility before COVID. So the fact that we've built something like that, and I think you have that within your team, so many people that never identified as as having disabilities or mental health issues or anything like that, all of a sudden because of COVID did have them. So I recognize that and more people actually reached out to me and they said, how, how can you be all alone? How can you, how are you operating the business? Like, I'm like, it's actually so much easier for me, the expectation of not being in person to a meeting because I don't know what my health is going to be like that day or being there for my kids and it seems just more acceptable. So I really hope that that flexibility definitely doesn't change. Uh, I think people are more productive when you put that trust in them too, and you're not hovering over them and micromanaging them, right? So that's great insight. I really appreciate that. Um, there's just so many things to say about the last three years, really, right? <laughs> but I think one of our other questions too is, is based on that, what is your advice to anyone who wants to support accessibility and understands that we talk about activists and advocates, but there's a lot of people who just want to learn. What's your advice to people? Yeah. Um, Well, first off, I'd say that like not every disabled person wants to be an advocate or an activist and that is fine. (laughs) And I think it's really important to kind of like state that because I think that there is this assumption that disabled people are here on the planet to safeguard, protect, and advocate for all the things that we need. And although, yes, we are the ones with the most experience and we are the ones who can educate, um, it cannot just be simply the battle of an us versus them. And we need to have people without disabilities recognizing their responsibilities if we're going to get anywhere close to an accessible and inclusive anything. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the question because I think, you know, if, if you're thinking about how to show up, um, sometimes it's just a simply a matter of amplifying. Sometimes it's, you know, recognizing someone who has something to say and helping create the space for that to be heard. Mm -hmm. Um, so that could be around a boardroom that could be on social media that could be um just on a one-to-one like I think the importance of of acknowledging that voice or that perspective that someone who's you know 
finally has the courage to say, I want to say something or I want to contribute, acknowledging and seeing someone who wants to do that and, and supporting them in, in those steps is really important. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it can really be. I, I remember even for me, like when I started out, I call myself an activist. I call myself an advocate. But when I was younger and I was just looking around the world and seeing things that were broken and wanted to make them different, you know, I had a few teachers and a few um, just close friends who just helped me feel safe in expressing those concerns, helped me feel like it was okay to, to you know, reject the status quo. And their roles in my life helped me gain the confidence to become my own activist and an advocate for, for many others. Um, so I'd say that, you know, it, it might seem like a really soft skill or a really kind of quiet thing, but uh, can be tremendously impactful um, when you recognize someone who is struggling or wants to say something and you help create the space for them to do that. Yeah, I think social media has certainly helped provide some voices to that. Um like you said before, there's, there's so many people on, you know, TikTok, especially right now, like there's disability TikTok and you can learn and find out so much from them. It's almost like, I feel like people with disabilities have just been stuck in the dark for so long from the public. And I feel like there's a bit of an uprising right now. I think, you know, it's maybe it's because I'm in the algorithms that I'm seeing it more. And I'd love (laughs) to hear other people's opinion that aren't in the algorithms to hear how often they're seeing the stories about people. And of course, we also want to break those typical stereotypes like, oh, they're so inspirational because they have a disability and they're like yourself running this really amazing company. Why, how do we change those perceptions, right? Like it's really no different. We're just dealing with things in in a different way. So I I would love to hear how we could help more people understand the difference. And and again, I think every, everyone in life is going to be affected by disability. You don't think about it. Most don't know about it, but it's bound to happen, whether it's, Mm -hmm permanent, situational, temporary, or when you become an aging person, you're going to have disabilities. So I think, how do we break the stigma of the word disability too, that people think it's so negative and pitiful? Yeah, yeah. And that one's, yeah, I, I don't think disability is a dirty word. I'm proud to call myself a disabled person. Um, And I really, I see that not everyone is there. And even people with disabilities don't, you know, accept that terminology. Um, I think we should unpack, probably not on this podcast. (laughs) We (laughs) would have have a few hours. (laughs) I think we should unpack, like, why people are so um, repulsed by those words. What is it about both disabled and non-disabled people, that those words are like taboo or uncomfortable. And um, if we can't even find language to talk about an issue, how are we supposed to get past that into much more deeper things? So it's a big, it's on my mind a lot, you know, and even I was on a panel um, last week and people who, you know, represent different communities within the disability population were, we're on the panel and, you know, one person wanted to 
you know, say special abilities and another person said, said special need. I was just like, this is all over the place. Like, can we just land on something that we're all cool and neutral on? So anyway, um, it's, it's a bit of an aside, but I think language is really powerful. Um, it's, it's changes all the time. Uh, and I, I really love the recent shift to just reclaiming disabled and, I think it's really powerful and important. Thank you so much for that. Do you have <laughs> any other thoughts that you would like to share? Uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's, uh, I could talk about this stuff for hours. I think it's really important. Um, and it's nice to talk to people who kind of are, are getting it. Uh, Cause you can just get even deeper into the conversation, but really I'm in your hands. Absolutely. I had a question. Yes. Um, maybe when people check what you were doing in the past, it's bringing maybe a false assumption to their mind that you were looking at mostly physical accessibility aspect of a place. But what do you think about a digital approach to that? Because One of the things that we need to do advocacy about that, it's accessibility is not just about uh, physical access. Yeah. Now, even digital accessibility is more important and crucial. So what do you think about that? It's a good add to whatever you said, I think. Yeah, uh, I think... Accessibility definitely is, is in my mind, defined quite broadly. And um, there is a distinction made between the physical and, and digital world, but there's also a lot of blending that happens. Um, you know, like we were, um, over the summer, we mapped uh, kind of a few cities in Canada um, from different perspectives. And we asked people from the community to work with us to map You know, every storefront, every hotel, every restaurant, every park, um, you name it. And what we found was that something that we didn't really think about was how much digital tech is in the built environment. How many times you tap to pay something for something or you swipe or you gesture or there are elements of technology um, that are in our world that we don't even recognize have become part of our physical environment. How you determine what restaurant to go to often starts with sitting at home, looking at things online, reviewing materials, reading reviews, um, looking at a menu. And if those things are not accessible online, how do you even know where you're going? So I think it's an end to end thing. It's not one or the other. Um, definitely there's a lot of awareness for like, the classic one step at entrance. I'm a wheelchair user and this is my biggest frustration. Uh, that's like, that's a very well-known uh, barrier because it's extremely visible and socialized. Um, but I think accessibility touches every single part of our lives. So I think it's, it's across the board. I know yeah. with COVID from a digital perspective, everything was so furious and fast to get out that accessibility was often never part of their project plans. 
you know, one of our teammates couldn't book their second COVID vaccine because Mm -hmm. it was so fast to roll out. Um, One of the things that we've identified is the lack of education, even in the schools, like in in the post, like colleges and universities, unless the professor knows about it, it's not integrated into the curriculum. So I would love, you know, for all of us to go after that, to, to try and educate better. But um, a lot of people think that that accessibility is just their website and that's that's a full stop. But it is their signage. It is like you're saying, it's the pieces, it's the apps, it's all of that. And there's certainly value in uh, a lot of people understanding the importance of testing, but they're still using, you know, you know, the automated testers online that are free it we liken it to you know both of you have experienced this a five centimeter curve means you can't get in a building well your website might be 95 percent, but what's happening in that five percent that's just as critical as the other 95 if it means someone can't order groceries or pay a bill you know or get their vaccine um i i know that we'd love to see more people think about that as part of their project scope rather than oh here it is all done now we'll test it um i think that's we're still a long ways away. I think all of us in accessibility hope we're out of a job one day uh, because that means we're living in a, a, an equitable and accessible world. But I really appreciate your insights on that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share about Access Now? Uh, I don't know. Like we, we started um, a few years ago. We grew a lot over the course of the pandemic as well. We map and share information about accessible places all around the world um, with and for people with disabilities and anyone else who requires access. Uh, and I'm really excited for this summer. We're, we're back kind of out in the world, um, mapping, uh, creating events, um, and just helping people get connected to accessible experiences. So um, we're always um, looking for new people to join our community. Uh, if it sounds like something that people want to contribute to or just, you know, next time you need an accessible any place, um, we'd love to hear feedback on how we're doing and if there are things we've missed. So um, make sure yeah. we'll say shameless plug. Make sure to download. That's my plug. <laughs> yeah. Make sure to download the app, everyone. Well, that's so amazing, Wayne. I'm so excited that we got to meet and chat and hear about your journey. I think we really hope that this podcast can reach more people so they can hear about the lived experiences from people in the community from all different sectors. So thank you again so much for joining us. And we hope to chat with you again soon. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. That was very great to hear from you and learn from you. Thank you. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. This podcast is published thanks to funding from CCRW, Canadian Council on Rehabilitation and Work. CCRW's mission is to promote and support meaningful and equitable employment of people with disabilities. Check out their services at ccrw.org. Hello 
again, everyone. I'm Jolene from Accessa Brand, and welcome to our podcast, Why Access Matters. You just heard a conversation that I had with Maya and Ziv, who's the CEO of Access Now. I'd love for you to please take a moment to reflect and focus on some parts of what she said and ask yourself some questions. Maya spoke to us about people who are concerned that making an accessible business is something expensive that they have to do now for the law instead of seeing it as an investment in accessibility. Can you recall a moment when you or someone you know was worried about the cost over the benefit of an investment? Do you know anyone who took these steps and found that their business had more reach and more positive outcomes? If yes, please share their story with us. We would love to hear about their experiences and yours. Mayan told us about her article, How to Be an Ally, and she recommended going on social media and looking for hashtags around disability or accessibility so that we could see the humor, creativity, joy, and struggle that this world definitely comes with. Have you done this before or are you considering it? If no, please give it a shot. If yes, please share your experiences and impressions with us. And last but not least, please find the link to Mayan's social media as well as her amazing app and check it out and download it. We put all the links that we mentioned in the descriptions of our podcast for you. Please send your thoughts, ideas, and any feedback you have to our email, jolene at accessibrand.com, or in the comments at our Apple podcast page and CastBox, or under our posts on social media. We love when people connect there, and you can find those in the description box of our episodes. Well, we've reached the end. I'm Jolene from Accessa Brand. Thanks for your patience and time in listening to me, my colleagues, and our special guest, Mayan Ziv, in our second episode of Why Access Matters. The next episode will follow on the last Friday of August the 26th. But until then, please send us your thoughts and ideas. Follow our podcast and podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, or any other platform you listen to podcasts on. Follow our fabulous guest, Mayan Ziv, and our admirable sponsor, CCRW, via the links in the description of our podcast. And of course, don't forget to introduce us to your friends, family, and network. Please consider checking out our website if you need any accessibility services and would like to use the valuable lived experience and expertise of persons with disabilities. You can visit our website at www.accessibrand.com. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. This podcast is published thanks to funding from CCRW, Canadian Council on Rehabilitation and Work. CCRW's mission is to promote and support meaningful and equitable employment of people with disabilities. Check out their services at ccrw.org.